There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. The home-based telehealth market has grown 3,000% in the last two years. Home consults via telehealth services now account for tens of millions of annual consults in the US each year. That totally transforms the delivery of healthcare because testing needs to be done in the home. And that's why a lot of the large corporates in the US are now really looking to transition from lab testing and point-of-care testing into home testing. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today, I'm speaking with the founder, managing director and CEO of Atomo Diagnostics, John Kelly. The ASX code is AT1. G'day, John. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. For more than 20 years, John has reimagined medical devices to enhance their usability and performance. And I'm especially keen to chat with John as the Atomo Rapid self-test platform is playing such a crucial role in the diagnosis of COVID-19 as well as a range of other diseases. John, tell us about your background in the development of diagnostic devices. Yeah, no, I've worked exclusively in medical device commercialization now for more than 25 years. I started in Europe with CR Bar doing cardiac implantables. I came to Australia in 2000 and I spent five and a half years at ResMed. I set up their new product introduction group and then ran product development for two of their leading products, both Swift and Activa, which I believe have generated over a billion dollars worth of product sales for ResMed. And I thought the next time myself and the team have an idea worth a billion dollars, it would be good to have a bit of equity in the business. So we sort of moved into the startup world and started developing our own our own technology, but using a lot of the skills and experience we'd gained, you know, working for some larger multinationals prior. So tell us a little bit about your reasons for developing the Atomo device and um, what led you in this thinking. Yeah, it was actually a bit of a personal reason. My, my daughter was born with a lot of medical problems in, in 2006, and she was repeatedly going to the doctor for blood draw procedures and, you know, trying to get blood from phlebotomy out of a, a baby's arm is is a pretty difficult task. And there was a couple of times where they tried so many times that her, her arm was black and blue and she couldn't lift her arm. And I did a bit of research and found out that a lot of the actual tests that were being used didn't really require a big volume of blood. A little finger stick prick of blood would have been sufficient. But medical procedure dictated this phlebotomy draw because that was the sort of approved reimbursed procedure. And I felt that that was not really that patient friendly. So we set about trying to develop some little micro collection and micro diagnostic solutions that would be much more patient friendly. And that 
was the idea. We set the company up in 2010 with a view to, you know, commercializing the IP we developed. So yeah, so that was the genesis of of the idea through some personal experience. And then obviously with my background and experience, I was able to, you know, come at it with a a professional team that, that was able to do something about it. So the key to this device is its simplicity and functionality. How's the take-up been? How's the medical profession responded to this device? Depends which country you're in. I mean, the medical profession in, in Australia has been quite resistant because the diagnostics industry is controlled by the pathology groups. We've seen that, you know, playing out with COVID, but we've had similar experiences trying to launch our HIV self-test and point-of-care tests. But certainly overseas, there's a much greater acceptance of point-of-care testing in clinics, in doctors' offices, and now increasingly in the US in particular, post-pandemic in the home. And I think Australia's playing catch-up a little bit in terms of market adoption. But overseas, certainly rapid testing's you know, a large driver of innovation in, in diagnostics. And we're one of the, the leaders in, in that journey. So I know we're in an audio format, but can you give us a bit of a word picture of what the device looks like and what it does? Yeah. So before we came along, rapid testing was delivered point of care, almost like a sort of year 12 chemistry set. So think of a a rapid kit and you've got a blood collection device and a pipette and some developer solutions and trying to run a test at home was, was a bit of a year 12 experiment. And the diagnostics themselves work very well in the lab under controlled conditions, but in the field, there was very significant error rates and it wasn't to do with the test, it was to do with the procedure. And even with nurses in the field, there was very high error rates, but typically, you know, between five and 35%, depending on the test and the user. And we spent time really looking at what was driving those errors and really then looked to engineer out the causes of those errors. And it really involved us taking this kit and essentially consumerizing it and making it a single device removing the accessories, removing the complexity, removing the need for the user to decide what to do next and just making all of that inbuilt and automatic. And in doing that, we've reduced, you know, eight steps down to two or three. The two or three steps that are there are fully automated and don't require the user to really think about it. So it's just moved the test from being difficult and cumbersome and inefficient to something that's consumerized, fit for purpose and and simple. And in doing that, it's been pretty transformative in terms of the clinical and user output that we've been able to deliver. So it can just be used by consumers? Yes. In fact, we make Australia's only approved HIV self-test. It's also one of only four products that's been approved by the World Health Organization. And we supply into a lot of global tenders in in Africa and Asia, South America. So it's a very simple, easy to use test. It doesn't even require high levels of education or literacy. It's been designed really for global impact. And how's it being used at the moment for the uh, diagnosis of COVID-19? Yeah, well, we were launching and rolling out our HIV business when the pandemic hit. We were approached by a lot of overseas manufacturers trying to access our platform for COVID. We did a deal with a French company at the start of the pandemic, and we sold them just under 2 million devices for their antibody tests, and they were mainly supplied to the French Ministry of Defense. A couple of months later, we did a deal with a listed company that's uh, based in the US, and they have contracted to buy 2 million devices for the US market. And then we've also launched the product here in Australia. Uh, We got it approved through the TGA and listed on the ARTG. And we're one of Australia's leading suppliers now of COVID rapid tests in the local market. And that was a market that was really 
quite small up until recently, but now obviously with the Delta outbreak, that, that's completely changed. And we're seeing the federal and state governments really starting to play catch up now on rapid testing when they look at the benefits that have been you know, demonstrated overseas with home testing. And we've sold in the last you know, four or five weeks more tests for COVID than we've sold you know, all of last financial year. So things have really changed. So how's the device been validated by regulatory authorities around the world? Yeah, well, it's been validated now by all tier one regulators. We have CMARC approval for a number of tests. We've gone through notified body review by BSI. That's our notified body in Europe. It's one of only a few products that's gone through full World Health pre-qualification. That's a very onerous requirement to get. And it's also the only self-test for infectious disease that's been approved by the TGA here in Australia. So I think the regulatory rigor that's been brought to bear is first rate and the platform is now well proven. We very recently got our first FDA authorization on the platform in EUA for COVID. So yeah, the, the platform's now well proven globally and, and accepted by regulators and we're really looking to build on that and expand the test menu and move beyond COVID, beyond HIV, beyond malaria into wellness applications. We're looking at things like allergy, vitamin deficiency, all of those home applications where where ease of use and simplicity are really key to being able to use a test reliably at home. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Where can you buy this device? Where can a consumer purchase this device in Australia right now? Yes, so it depends on the application. So if you wanted to do a self-test for HIV, then you can go to a sexual health clinic that you can get it at. Or we do have our own website where you can log on, watch a video and then order the test. If you want to test for COVID, then at this stage, the TGA has not approved our devices for self-testing. So the approval that we have is for professional use only. So you have to go to a professional healthcare provider to get tested. We are in discussions with the government about expanding the approval to include self-testing. That's been well-established now overseas. The UK is doing approximately 1 million COVID self-tests each week. And that's been an NHS handout. And really the rationale there is the more testing that's done in the community, the quicker people are being diagnosed and also asymptomatic people are being picked up much earlier. And that is obviously breaking chains of infection. So we think there's an opportunity for self-testing here. But at the moment, the COVID test is not approved for home use. But it is in the UK, so um, just about anyone can get it and uh, test themselves for COVID. Yeah, you know, when you check out of Aldi in Germany, they give you one at the supermarket checkout to take home. I mean, wow. it's ubiquitous in the market overseas. 
So it's pretty clear that the global market opportunities are pretty enormous. Yes, they are. I mean, point of care rapid testing on this type of technology, it's a 10 plus billion dollar annual market and growing a lot with uh, obviously the pandemic, particularly in the US, where there's been this adoption now to home healthcare and home testing. And we think that's an enormous opportunity for a company like Atomo that has the world's best self-test blood devices available. So for us, it's really about growth and, and execution. We've more than quadrupled our production capacity over the last 15 months, and we're continuing to invest in further expansion of capacity. That was one of the main reasons we came to market and listed on the ASX last April was to get access to capital to fund that growth. We are looking to expand beyond infectious diseases into other non-infectious disease applications, of which there are many, you know, cancer markers, hormone markers, wellness and sort of lifestyle monitoring. So it's a very big opportunity for us. And really, the key is to be strategic around who we partner with and what products we prioritize. There's probably 30 or 40 tests that could go onto our platform, but it's not practical for us to try and commercialize 40 tests in parallel. We don't have the resources or the bandwidth. So it's really about being strategic. And one of the key decisions that we've made is to pivot into the US market where most of the new opportunities and growth for us are. And most of our partnership inquiries are coming out of the US. So we're looking to set up a a team there and start to engage with the US market more directly because that's where we see the future for our growth, particularly in consumer wellness. So am I correct in seeing this as being like a little chemistry kit in a device that takes some blood and um, it's almost modular, that chemistry kit? You can replace, um, you know, it can do malaria or HIV or... Yes, so that's exactly right. So the, the test strip goes in there, has a certain chemistry on it, and that then dictates what the analyte is, but our device remains unchanged. So we have a off-the-shelf device and we can drop different little test elements in there and get different results. And that makes it very deployable in, in pharmacy and home settings. And that's really the future, we think, for testing outside of the lab. So tell us about some of your recent contract wins. Yeah, we've been very, very busy this last year, not just obviously taking the business from being private to being public, but in expanding capacity, trying to bring on new partners. Obviously, this expansion of opportunity in Australia has come to market really recently. We've been trying to pivot to that quickly. We've been bringing in a lot more stock. We had limited stock in Australia, and that reflected the fact that up until six weeks ago, there wasn't a very big public policy opportunity, but that's very much changed. We've sold everything we had. We brought in more. That's been sold. We're bringing in a very substantive order now to supply through to Christmas. So that's kept us very busy, and and we're engaged now and supplying to a lot of sectors locally, construction groups. We're the leader, I think, in the rollout of testing in aged care. We're dealing with some of the large corporates, some government agencies. So there's a very big opportunity here locally for rapid antigen testing. Outside of Australia, we continue to work with our partner, Access Bio, on scaling up our partnership with them in the US. And we're in discussions with a number of quite large listed US companies that prior to the pandemic we weren't talking to because we weren't big enough. Our platforms weren't well known enough to get the interest of the big players. But now with the FDA approval of our platform, with our winning of a sizable contract in global health for HIV, we're sort of on the radar now and getting a lot more inbound interest from larger players that want to see how our technology can maybe be used to scale their their point of care testing products and really improve their usability. 
And that's exciting because we can start to look at licensing and tech transfer opportunities that don't necessarily cost us a lot of money to scale because we're, you know, licensing IP and technology that allows us to generate revenues, you know, from other people's efforts. We're seeing many technologies disrupting established businesses and established operations these days. Would you see this as being a disruptive kind of product in terms of the pathology industry? Yes, it's very disruptive to the pathology industry. That's why I think the pathology industry, particularly in Australia, have been so resistant to it. I think in the US that disruption is happening already. The home-based telehealth market has grown 3,000% in the last two years. It's now home consults via telehealth services now account for tens of millions of annual consults in the US each year, and that's there to stay. That totally transforms the delivery of healthcare because testing needs to be done in the home. And that's why a lot of the large corporates in the US are now really looking to transition from lab testing and point of care testing into home testing. I think the pathology groups here are resistant to that, but you know it's an unstoppable wave. The technology's there. It's more cost-effective for government. It's more convenient for consumers. And I think as people start to demand more control of their own healthcare, you know, this sort of clinically driven, do as we say, model, here's how testing has to happen. I just think that's becoming less and less acceptable. And I think over time, point of care will will start to account for a larger share of the market. And that's certainly where most of the innovation is happening. Is there any competition for you in this space? Yes and no. So when we decide to launch a test, a finished product test, then we obviously have competition in that there are existing bits in box kits already on the market. So when we launched our HIV self-test, there were a number of test kits that were out there, but they didn't have our level of usability or or convenience or reliability in terms of that integrated user-friendly solution. So we do have individual competitors in each of the test areas we operate in, but in terms of another company that's developed and commercialized a fully integrated consumer-friendly blood test device, we're the only company that's done that globally, and that puts us in a, you know, incredibly fortunate position to really look to now partner with some large multinationals that see the value in this and and don't have their own technology. We've been doing this for 10 years. We've got a lot of extensive IP down across the world. We have a lot of proprietary know-how. We've got the manufacturing fully validated and approved by regulators. And that's a very large level of market protection that we can bring to bear now in our contract negotiations. So we're in a very good position there. And, you know, it's a pretty unique solution. It was interesting. I was just doing a little bit of research this morning and I noticed that um, Atomo is not carrying any debt whatsoever. No, we were carrying some debt. We received grant financing from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to launch our HIV self-test in in global health markets. We also received impact debt financing from the Global Health Investment Fund, which was a fund set up some years ago in New York as a venture between the Gates Foundation and JP Morgan, as well as others. We repaid that debt in full from the proceeds of our IPO last year. So we've got a very strong balance sheet. We've been able to grow. We've still got 17 million in the bank, debt-free. So we're in a very good position now to take the business to the next level. Fantastic. John Kelly, thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. 
Important, please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they a recommendation to buy shares in the companies featured or discussed. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered. 